to the July edition of Calibre Book of the Month. My name is Denise and I'm joined by my colleagues Natalie. Hello. And Emma. Hello. Our latest book is Lamplighters by Emma Stonex, which is about the mysterious disappearance of three lighthouse keepers who vanish without a trace. The story was heavily inspired by the real-life disappearance of three men from a lighthouse on Flannan Island in the Outer Hebrides back in 1900. The story is transposed to a fictional lighthouse off the Cornish coast in the year 1972. Throughout the novel, the story moves back and forth between the days leading up to the disappearance and 20 years later when an author is researching the story for a book. As well as moving between different time periods, the story is told through the perspective of the six major players. The three keepers, Arthur Black, the principal keeper, Bill Walker, the assistant, and Vince Bourne, the supernumerary keeper. And the three women left behind, Helen Black, Jenny Walker, and Michelle, Vince's girlfriend. They are all still struggling to come to terms with what happened 20 years ago. Now it's described by The Guardian as a whodunit, a horror novel, a ghost story, and fantastically gripping psychological investigation rolled into one. Would you agree, Natalie? Yes, I would. Um, It was, I think for me, the mystery elements of the story came across the strongest and then the I loved the ghostliness that was introduced to the book. Um, I don't know if I would like consider it to be a thriller. Um, for me it was more yeah, mystery, ghost, um, almost a bit of romance as well because it did focus a lot on the relation, all the different types of relationships. What about you, Emma? So I I would agree with that other than I I don't really think, I didn't get a strong horror element from it particularly in my version of what I I perceive to be a horror, but certainly the supernatural and the psychological is there in in swathes really. Um, I think that it's a really interesting investigation actually into sort of psychological elements with um, the lamplighters where the the lighthouse keepers are are away and what that effect that has on them and then also the effect that the women being left at home as well, that's really strong throughout the the story but then also interweaved are these just sort of supernatural elements that really add to the story um and kind of keep you reading on really so it's that the fact that there's lots of different um aspects going on and and little storylines that you keep you sort of reading on i think and and yeah so i would agree in parts with that definitely i found the setting of the uh lighthouse fascinating because i think the descriptions of the daily life and you know the whole sort of routine around living and working in the lighthouse where the three men were basically on shift they were on eight hour shifts where they'd be on duty and the other two would be either sleeping or generally amusing themselves um so that was really interesting but also the physical description of the place and how the beds were sort of banana shaped and you do wonder how on earth, you know, they got used to that. It's not a terribly, you know, comfortable shape for a bed. 
But did you find that you learned something about the way of life? I mean, obviously things have changed now because after that time um, they were all automated. But up until 1972 and, and not very long after, they were still manned. Uh, what did you think of, of the descriptions of the, the daily life? I found um, like all of the district descriptions in the book to be really atmospheric um, and very powerful. The I learned a lot about day-to-day -day life with a lamplighter. It was something I've never really thought about before. And because um, in the book, when the keepers talk about their training that they've gone through to get to their positions, they mention other lighthouses that they've worked on. I didn't realize, probably quite naively, like there's, there was such a variety of different lighthouses. Um, you know, some of them were on the island, some of them were really close to land, some were really far out. Um, I'd never thought about how a lighthouse was built. And I think the one in the book was described as being Victorian built. Um, and the way that life on the lighthouse was described along with the actual lighthouse, was I just found it really fascinating. It was a real page turner. And I liked how just their their routine seemed so monotonous yeah they had they had such a monotonous routine to follow but they almost needed that routine to keep them going day to day and it was really fascinating to consider what sort of person you had to be to be a lamplighter like would you be able to psychologically put up with being not only away from your family but in such an enclosed space with two other people um, I think it takes quite a sort of special sort of person really to to do that so all three of the characters have secrets that are very slowly revealed to us, the, the main, the, the lighthouse keepers, I mean, um, and their secrets from their past. So before 1972, when they disappear and it would seem that for each one of them, you know, it plays into what happens at the end. Um, what did you think about the way these secrets were revealed for each of the, the main characters? So that, again, I have to say this is another way, the, the way the book is, um, the format of the book, which kept me reading in terms of that. So obviously we go back and forwards from 1972 when the lighthouse keepers disappear. Um, and then we jump, occasionally we jump 20 years forward to 1992. And this is where um, the wives are kind of telling their stories to, to an author that has turned up and wants to, revisit the disappearance and uh, write about it really and I think that that format is brilliant because that's it just kept it, it's not confusing some so I know um some people think oh no uh, books that jump back and forward in time it's confusing this really isn't because you know at each chapter where you are who's speaking um and, and really what they're um kind of, it leaves off exactly where you left them really so I think that's that really does add to the story so then as you uh, carry on with the story and you're going back and forwards, uh, you really you, you get a sense of how the characters are interacting with each other and, and what they mean to each other, too. So you've got there's there's an underlying animosity between two of the wives, between Jenny and Helen. And that gradually unfolds and you begin to understand. And actually, as, as it goes along, you you kind of feel that there's uh, a real theme of of not really of feelings not spoken of people not really expressing themselves very well which is where a lot of misunderstandings come from and that actually adds to a lot of the the atmosphere in the story too um and i think the characters 
you 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 start off one way feeling a, a particular way about characters, particularly Arthur Black, who's he's set up as the principal keeper, a real upstanding man, um, who the Trident, the the company behind the lighthouse, um, have have put in there because they put people that they want to be examples, like leading beacons, I suppose is a, to one another word, um, to go in there to to be an example to the others and to train other people up, and. I think through that as well, it's through those three uh, male sides of it, so the three lighthouse keepers with Vince, Bill and um, Arthur, which you really get the sense of what the lighthouse is doing to them and that, that um, the light, what that life is doing to them and how it's then affecting them in their heads. So I think, as Natalie you were saying earlier, you know, they do, you do have to be a particular type of person to be able to exist on, that, that, um, on, on a rock, basically. I mean, I remember... As a, my only experience of a lighthouse is going on holiday to the Isle of Wight and going to the Needles. And I remember walking right down to the furthest point that you can get to that lighthouse. Um, and you can view it out outside of like a, it's almost like a little um, prison window, really, where you can see that the lighthouse on the end. And I just th- remember thinking, you know, it's such a stark, bleak location that to actually live in something like that for, for a long period of time must be something. Um, well, you've, you've really kind of got to, got to tune your head into it, really. And I think that's the you, you really do get that sense of isolation and loneliness and the creep it's gradually creeping up on them as well I think you, you get that kind of change in um, their, their psychology as you, you go along and I he- I think what comes across as well is you 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 understand that they need to be entertained or they need to find their own um, distractions so they, they have hobbies um, you've got I think um, Arthur said that he tried the the putting a ship in a bottle, you know, and somebody tried to teach him that skill, but he can get on with that. But then you've got um, Bill that carves, I think, is it little shells as, as, as a hobby, and they've all got little things that try and keep them going through the day. But them explaining that solitude, I think, really hits home. And then obviously, then you, you go back, going back to the wives for a minute, and Michelle, the girlfriend of Vince as well. That is a whole different story in part because you get then their sense of isolation and loneliness. So it's not just the fact that the others are on, on essentially a rock for, for eight, I mean, they're eight weeks on and four weeks off. So that's an awful long time to, to be on duty. But then they have to come back to the island, uh, come back to sort of the, the uh, land, as it were, and reintroduce themselves just for that brief period of time before going off again. And it's just, yeah, I think you just, yeah, you get a real sense of the lifestyle. And then you've got this sort of... Um, supernatural type of story behind it but it's part sort of mystery and that it's just yeah it, it really does give you an indication of the characters are so well rounded and so well formed and because of the way they're discussing the book as well so um that when jenny and helen are talking to the author who's researching the mystery that happened you get a real feeling for that as well because they're talking um about they're talking to the author but the author's there is just like a a background presence so you don't really get to hear from him until towards the end of the novel but that's also an interesting format that's introduced by the author so yeah the the characters for me really were a big part of me reading on talking about the um lighthouse keepers reintroducing themselves to their partners when they come home from the lighthouse that really resonated with me because uh, my husband worked offshore on the oil rigs up in Scotland for for many years and uh, that's very much the case in that industry as well 
Um, sometimes he'd be away for two weeks and back for three days. So it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a regular schedule. But uh, yeah, that really resonated. Um, going back to Vince, um, he is far from being the upstanding member of society that um, Arthur was um, as he's an ex-offender. Um, the interesting thing about him as well was that his hobby was poetry and he'd got into this during one of his spells in prison. Um, during the book he and, and the investigation into the uh, disappearances he is very much used as a scapegoat by Trident, the company who run the lighthouses. Um, I wonder what you thought about Vince and, and, you know, the idea of it had to be him because he was an ex-con. I was really rooting for Vince um, when his character was first introduced. It was, like, I found him to be really likeable and endearing. He was uh, the youngest of the keepers, just starting out his career. And he had ambitions. He wanted to progress. But he wanted to progress to become principal keeper. And I found it really interesting learning a lot about his backstory, not just his childhood and the neglect and abuse that he was subjected to, but also what he learned from prison and that actually his type of personality found routine, confined spaces, strict rules um, to really work for him and his lifestyle. Um, and that's why the working on a lighthouse really appealed to him. Um, as the book went on and we found out from Michelle in 1992 a bit more about Vince and some of the crimes that he had committed, I did I did feel a bit cheated and I don't know if I was just being really prejudiced because at the beginning I was like, oh, you know, he's he's gone through so much. He's gone to prison. He's done his time. He's learned from his mistakes. He's identified a career that would really suit him and his temperament. He's found Michelle. They have a really lovely relationship. And then, but you've done this in your past and it, it did mar him a bit for me. Uh, but I still, I did feel really angry reading about how the press and Trident were just blaming him. It was just the easy way out. And it did make me feel that they didn't even bother to investigate properly because why that the three men have gone missing? Let's just blame the, the ex-con. Yes, it seemed to be that the reason the, the Trident wanted to latch on to him as being the perpetrator of whatever happened because the blame might come back to Trident themselves and any duty of care that they might have had towards the three individuals um, in terms of their psychological well-being. Of course, we're talking about 1972 and such things didn't really happen. But looking at it now and looking back at the conditions, then you begin to to look at it in that way in that they did have a responsibility but these things weren't necessarily evident back in I have to say I was, I was never quite sold on the um, Vince story that it seemed a bit too obvious to me so I, I never really went down that route and the minute there was any sort of supernatural aspect to it I was I was kind of gone sold on that because that for me is that I think that's mm. that was the draw for me so um, yeah I, I was kind of rooting for <laughs> something more super that they just disappeared and and yeah we never found out what happened really so yeah I, I was not quite um, from the beginning I, I thought is that a bit of a red herring or um, but as you know kind of as it went along you, you found out he, he could quite easily you know be the, the the sort of main perpetrator behind what went on. 
What was your opinion of the supernatural element of the story? Did you did you like it? Did you believe it? There were parts that I really enjoyed. Um, I felt it really added to the atmosphere. Um, so I, I won't say too much to give anything away, but there was a strong supernatural element right at the end. And I thought it was quite obvious what it meant. And then there were a couple of other parts. The White Rook and the Silver Man were supernatural elements that were introduced. And I didn't, I don't know if I was just being a bit silly, but I don't really understand what, if there was a metaphor behind them or if there was any real hidden meaning or if I completely missed something out. Because the Silver Man, he was described, I think, who was it when they were little? Was it Bill? Bill, Bill yeah. Yeah, when he was little. So when he was talking about seeing the Silver Man when he was little, I thought, oh, it's supernatural. And then it seemed that the character was almost like brought to life. But I don't know if I've just completely missed something out or... But I think that's part of the beauty of this book is that you take from it what, what you want mm. about those. So, you know, we're introduced to the Silver Man very early on, as you said, from Bill as a youngster, where he's travelling in a car with a, a neighbour and they spot him. And they both spot him, so it's not just, you know, the one of them. Um, but And later on, I think, is it is it Jenny or Helen? It, it actually then reintroduces the Silver Man and tells you about the myth of it. So there's a it's a local legend, basically. So you've got him in the back of your mind all the time. And then, obviously, he appears later on and certain aspects of him appear so he you know he's told said to be carrying a briefcase which you know comes along sort of later in the story um and that's where it becomes okay has this crossed over into somebody emulating him or you know is is he real has he come and i think that's part of really for me that's part of the beauty that you don't know necessarily and it's up to you to interpret it as you want to i quite enjoyed the supernatural element while it was attached to just one of the three keepers and you felt it was it could have been his imaginings and it was relevant to him what he thought he was hearing and not seeing at that point but when towards the end one of the other keepers also encounters this supernatural person I, I it, it lost me then because I don't believe in such things and I, I felt that while it was a psychological condition of, of Arthur then I was with it all the way so I, I was a bit disappointed in that sense because it is a big part of the ending um, so yes it wasn't my cup of tea but it, do, it doesn't play a massive part but it does it certainly adds to the atmosphere whether you believe in such things or not. I mean, it was very real to Arthur, at any rate. Um, going back to the women, um, what do you make of Jenny's confession to Hannah? It's a secret that she's been hiding from her daughter, something that happened back in 1972 on their last... Um, month or so in, in the lighthouse um what do you think of that that i felt was a bit of a curveball for me so i didn't see that coming um and actually again i didn't think she'd be someone that'd be capable of, of what actually you know sort of transpired but and then obviously that that goes on to have an effect to um on the lighthouse as well so it's it has, it has a um a, a, it as it as it transpires it ends up being quite 
pertinent to, to the story as it, well, as it at is. At one point, it looks as though that's going to be the reason why they disappeared. Absolutely. It's something that she sends, an item of food she sends to the to the lighthouse in revenge yeah. for something that's happened on shore. And it really did look as if that was going to be the answer to it all and why they all died. But it may or may not have done. Yeah, and I think I think that, again, it's just, it's another little sort of nuance to the story that, that sort of keeps you thinking, oh, wow, you know, I didn't see that coming. And, and you're sort of, it makes you eager to, to read on because she's not really, she seems like a bit of a, she's or she's acting like a bit of sort of like a downtrodden wife you know and sort of she's she's caring for bill in every way and you know his dinner's on the table and and when he comes off of the lighthouse onto land she's trying to make him forget about that and get him back into to the sort of family life as well um so for me it, it seemed a bit out of character um and again adds to that kind of sort of sinister mystery atmosphere of, of the story i think so yeah that that was um it, it was quite unexpected and it, it, again it was just another thing that kept me reading on really and did you both feel satisfied by the ending yes i did um i really i really enjoyed the ending because like you said earlier i thought it was really obvious what happened um unlike some online reviews where they they felt it was perhaps a bit more ambiguous for me it was clearly ended solving the mystery of how the men disappeared and what happened to them and I was really satisfied with the like the conclusion of the women's relationships I felt really invested in the lives of the women as I was reading all their chapters and as Emma touched on earlier I really I loved the format of how the women were portrayed throughout the book because when they were talking to the author it was as a monologue apart from the very very end someone actually had a sort of a conversation a to and fro conversation with him and I found these monologues were so revealing about their secrets their lives and I understand where you're coming from Emma that it was a complete surprise with um, the character of Jenny and what she did but I, I wasn't that surprised because I felt that from how she was talking and getting a bit more frantic she was she had all this jealousy and shame and guilt and like all these feelings sort of bubbling inside her that they just all came out in something and the thing I took away the most from the women not just their reconciliation at the end but the effect of repressing your feelings and not and getting having an idea of something or somebody and not confronting it or trying to find out the the reasons behind it or just asking someone the question did you do this did you say this did this happen or how did it happen and the effect of just letting all these questions go unknown for 20 years really affected their lives and how they interacted with people around them and in particular Helen I think really suffered because at the beginning like Arthur I, I feel that she's portrayed as this um really intelligent woman very sensible she seems to have lots of friends people want to talk to her be friends with her she is the typical principal keeper's wife yet 20 years on she's become quite isolated as Arthur was on the lighthouse um, quite secluded and she's just haunted by all these memories and her version of what actually happened and yeah, I just think it has such an effect on the other two women that if they... Ha I know it's really hard to do, but if they had all at the time come together and said, 
this is how I feel, this is what happened, this is what was said. They could have, you know, quashed all this unknown and it would have really changed their lives. Mm, basically lack of communication between yeah. everybody really wasn't yeah it? and I think that's that was a really good takeaway for me to think actually don't just sit on something if I'm unsure or if someone if I've got this perception of someone or you know I think something may or may not have happened just ask and find out rather than sit with these negative feelings and feel out of sorts I think just as a, as a parting shot from me as well, um, I would say don't be put off by, I know we've talked a lot about the supernatural elements and if there are people out there that sort of think, oh no, you know, ghosts, that's not for me. Please don't let that put you off because it's not like that. It's um, There is nothing ho- ho- spooky or hor- horrific about it at all. So don't uh, let that put you off. Please don't let it put you off because it, it's not. It's just a, an underlying atmosphere. And um, I, I tell you, it really reminded me, for those of you that are familiar with Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca, the atmosphere in that story is very, very similar, I felt, to this. And that's that sort of, um, it, it's the under, it's it's again those, those presents that are there, but not quite there you know and they're, they're almost as much of a character like that for example the lighthouse is almost the maiden is almost as much of a character in the story as as anyone else exactly as Rebecca in, in Rebecca who isn't present but but you know is as much of a character in Daphne de Maurier's book too um so yeah just just don't let that side of it put you off because it's it, this really would appeal to everyone this book well thank you for listening to the caliber book of the month discussion on the lamplighters by Emma Stonix which you can find under catalogue number 14800. Sadly, we are only able to offer this audiobook on USB sticks. So, sorry, so I have an apology to make. Um, this book was my pick for Book of the Month because I, I'm so enthusiastic about it and I think it's a bit of a hidden gem, so I wanted to share it with all of you. Um, but in my in my rush to, to do that, I didn't check to make sure that we had it available in all formats. And this is one of the very few books that we don't yet have permission from, from the publisher to put into download and streaming. So there would be, um, I'm sure many of you that would be disappointed in the fact that they couldn't get it on the format that they would prefer. So it is available on USB we are working on that with the publisher we are trying to, to ask them if we can have that permission um, as it is so important and obviously things like this really highlight that so but I just wanted to say I'm sorry for those of you that haven't been able to access it um, and, and I'm you know I'm, I'm sort of hopeful that we can get it on, on sort of USB and streaming uh, or sorry on streaming and download in the future um, for us to, to have for you so yes so that's my fault sorry about that in our next podcast we will be discussing footnotes A Journey Round Britain in the Company of Great Writers by Peter Fines. Catalogue number 14575. So it's goodbye, Natalie. Goodbye. And Emma. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.